just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your host, Ian Dawson Mackay. Today's guest is Cybabe Yvette D'Entremont. Yvette runs a hilariously educational Cybabe where you come for the science but stay for the dirty jokes. Yvette is a scientist, public speaker, science blogger and a former analytical chemist with a background in forensics and toxicology. In this interview, we discuss her story, science, what she'd like to teach men about science, facts versus fake news, modern science versus new age remedies and so so much more. It's a little bit crazy and a wee bit different than my standard interviews but I thoroughly enjoyed doing it and I hope you'll love it too. But first, a quick word about my affiliate deals and special offers. As you'll know, I've set up some amazing deals with some cracking companies to bring you the best deals, special offers and other discount codes that I can find. These deals are amazing and there really is something for everyone. You can pick up equipment, home gadgets and books, etc. from Amazon. Some comfy jeans that show off your hard-earned muscle gains from Barbell Apparel. The latest and the coolest gear and gadgets from those great people, cool, uh, cool materials. Some demon grooming products from Mankind who really do have the best range in men's grooming. Some amazingly comfy underwear from MeUndies. And really there's so, so much more. To see these and more, simply go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. That's www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. But first, before we get to the interview, I would just like to say a Merry Christmas to you all and best wishes for the festive period, no matter what you're doing and who you're with. This is the first year of the podcast and I'm very happy and proud of where this podcast has grown to. I've had a chance to speak to some of my heroes, find out some great information and develop and grow as a person and I hope this has really helped you too. The people I've signed up to interview in the new year are amazing and it really is blowing my mind to think I'm getting a chance to speak to each of them and I know you'll love each of them. I thank each and every one of you who listen regardless if this is your first podcast or if you've been from the start. I love to do this and I want to say a thank you for coming on this journey to the next level in all aspects of our lives for me. If you have a few minutes and you want to give me a cracking Christmas present, then please go to iTunes and leave a review for this podcast. It'll help bring more attention to the show and attract more guests and help me work out even bigger affiliate deals and so much more. And it'll make me all warm and fuzzy inside. As 2017 closes, I'd just like to say thank you again. You really make this worthwhile and I'm glad to have you following along. Thank you for listening. And all the best for 2018. And now, enough of this mushy crap. Let's get to the interview with Yvette. I hope you enjoy this one. How's things today? It's. I just moved from LA to Oakland, and I'm exhausted. And see, we moved in. I'm not sure what the conversion is to Celsius. I think it's. Uh, let's see. The last time I was in heat this high, I think it's around 40 degrees centigrade. Um, how hot it was out here. Uh, over the weekend, I'm, and I'm not exaggerating. It uh, was 105 in Burbank the day we moved, and the day afterwards it was like 116. 
Um, and up in Oakland, it's it was about as hot when we got up here. And I'm like, oh, we're moving north. It's going to be colder. I should keep a sweatshirt available uh, out of you know outside of all my packed boxes because it'll definitely it's it'll be later in the day. We're moving north. Uh, it'll definitely be colder, right? No, it was crazy, crazy hot out. Like we moved in the middle of a heat wave, and the day like cause we moved we moved from Burbank. Uh, like, and I don't know how far the, you know, news of these things travels. I, I never know if like, these are just pieces of news that are, that stay like in state, but like we moved out of like a part of LA that's on fire, like literally 5,000 acres of, of, um, like mountain and wild, uh, like, or, or like of, um, forest land burned right where I lived, like less than two miles from where I lived, got evacuated, so like it's been it's been another few days. I'm not unpacked and I'm a little exhausted. <laughs> but I've, I've I'm like picture. finally I, it was quite oh, uh, so you, quite amazing that oh, was... oh so you saw like like I said, I never know how far news like gets out of the local area and I always assume that no one's seen it. <laughs> uh so, like I I forget that news like from the US travels outside of the US and news from like outside of the US never gets in. Like we're in our own little bubble here. Like I try I get news from outside of here because like I have friends from all over, but like Americans don't see anything from outside of the US. Um but like yeah, the the Latuna slash Burbank fire, that's been like that's right where I lived. Uh, and like it 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 was I, I keep joking. I'm like, I leave, and what happens? Fire and brimstone rains down upon it. So apparently, I was the only thing holding the place together. No, not really. That's that. I really don't believe that. I promise. Um, I, I thought that was my dating life. Fire and brimstone seems <laughs> to be all I can attract to them. It's I. You know, it's I. I, I would say maybe it's you, but who knows? Like maybe it's it's. I got nothing. I, I I don't know. Dating is just it's it's hell. Like. I like I finally met a guy that can put up with my shit and anytime like we argue about something like and there's that tiny inkling of you know maybe I should throw in the towel on this I think back to how much hell dating is and I'm like nope nope I'm we're gonna we're gonna fight through this and get over it because I'm not going back to dating never again it's it's worth it and it? it's just kind of going will I make an effort with this will I just give up and then you think it's no, Tinder, oh, no, 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 no. It's, no, no, it's like I found I found somebody who I can put up with and like there's there's no there will be no going back. So like like there would there would have to like I I cannot think of a of a thing that this man can do like that he's currently doing like the little relationship habits that I can put up with now, there's not a single thing of them that would make me dump this man. <laughs> so, it is like this is uh, as I like to say, everyone has a bag of shit, like the, a, a metaphorical bag of shit. If somebody actually carries a bag of shit around with them, run. Uh, but everyone has a metaphorical bag of shit uh, that they have to like disguise the smell, and that's kind of life. Um, and that's like you, if you know, as long as you can put up with their bag of shit, that's a person that you put up with for life. And that's, like, that's dating. But, like, if the bag of shit, shall we say, changes too much, that's when you reevaluate. But I've decided this is a person whose bag of shit I can handle. He can put up with my bag of shit. I can put up with his bag of shit. Cause but, like, times, if the bag of shit... You know, there's times, uh, there's times you look at people and you kind of go, oh, they would be amazing. And then you get to know them and you're like, fuck, fuck, I never no. went there. Like. 
Yeah, it's like then, like, once you realize what's deeply in the bag of shit, like, like there's, it's like, oh, that bag of shit, it's not just a turd. It's a heaping pile of rhinoceros poo. Like, there's, there's something going on there that you're like, oh, they just, they're putting on a good face. And, like, you know, sometimes you might be that person with the crazy pile of rhinoceros poo to someone else, and you don't realize it. Like, and that's why I say, like, 99% of the people on the planet, they're not dateable. And it's not like, or they're not dateable, sorry, to you personally, <laughs> like, and it's not that they're bad people. It's that like, you just don't jive with them. Like there's something your, your shit is just incompatible with them. <laughs> so I've decided this is, this is a human whose, whose shit is compatible with mine because he just brought me coffee. He is a wonderful man. I As he, and he just, he just warned me that the coffee cup is very full. He makes really good coffee. This makes him a good man. It's coffee and orgasms. That's usually enough to keep a woman happy, uh, I find. It's, he's, he makes better coffee than I do. That is a sign of a good human. Oh, there, I, there's an art to that, though. It's like an actual experiment, or it's like a, you know, like a potion. It's like some people make awful cups of tea and coffee. And if you can find somebody that makes a good one, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. He he just told me he fucked this one up. It's a little high on the acidity level, I would say. Oh, the beans were lightly roasted. Oh, beans were lightly roasted. He's, he, like, here's the thing. I made, I would say, a shitty cup of coffee before I met Derek. He has trained me into making a better cup of coffee, but he still makes a better one than I do. Right. Um, like, he, he just, he knows the coffee. Like, we're both chemists, but, like, his, um, like, he, he is obsessive over the cups of coffee and it's he makes a good cup of coffee like i'm i'm the cook in that he can cook but i tend to do more of the cooking uh but like if if he wakes up early enough in the morning i wait for him to make coffee because he just makes better coffee than i do like no matter what i've tried he just he he's and he's explained like his coffee making procedure like that's the thing you just you split the household chores as like you know for the things that you do better and or you enjoy and or you know you hate less um and he makes a better fucking cup of coffee than i do i'm just gonna let that be his thing oh by the way am i allowed to swear on this podcast i, I, I should well, ask i've i've um let's put it this way i fucking will be so it's, um... <laughs> i i try to avoid there are certain words i try to avoid i try to avoid the word cunt just because i know people get cranky about it but you're in the uk so people don't seem to mind that one over there in the it's... u.s people seem to get annoyed with that one we use it as a and greeting I, sometimes you know like right oh. you fucking cunt um and it's like there's that one i i i lived in england for grad school and like i got used to people using it and i came back to the u.s and people were like were shocked at my brazen use of a of my favorite body part as a word and i'm like I'm like, what? What's wrong with cunts? And people are like, are like, don't say that word. And I'm like, what? Why not? It's my. I use mine every day. Like, what's wrong with it? It's like when somebody says funny. You know, it's just there's something I, not quite right about that. And it's like, it's, well, it's it, funny because in the U.S., fanny means the posterior, and in in England, it means the anterior. It's it's two very it's two very different words. But it, uh, it sounds it, more clinical, though, when you use, like, scientific words for things. You know, it's like, oh, uh, your, your scrotum, oh, your ball, you know, and, but, like, you say <laughs> things like, you know, the ball sack, the knob, you know, it, I don't know, it just sounds more... 
descriptive even I don't know. It's I I miss the I, I miss the Britishes or the the it's where, where exactly uh, in the UK are you from? Because I'm listening to the accent going like this is I, I where where, about, where exactly are you from slash where um, are you living now? I'm originally from the Highlands, but now living okay. in Glasgow, up in Scotland. Gotcha. Nice. It's I it's I it's. It's one of it's it's one of the accents that I like because I it's funny you tell someone in the U.S. do a British accent and they think like they always go for um uh what's call it for for South London they miss that there are uh what's call it that there are number one uh like there are different accents throughout uh, throughout every single uh, through the different countries that make up the U.K. Uh, that there are different accents in Scotland in Ireland in uh, England itself and it's like. It's like it's funny because I had a friend who lived in Yorkshire and his accent always threw me because at first it sounded Scottish to me, and I'm like it's there's a slightly different accent or um, from the Yorkshire area to uh, you know to Scotland and it's like it took me forever to differentiate the Yorkshire to Scottish uh, accent and it's like from living there I can kind of tell where uh, you know where in the country someone's from but it's still like I'm like if I hear it I'd rather just ask than try to pin it down because I know I'll fuck them up. Yeah, I mean, it's, some people take it so personally, you know, it's even though we're all part of, like, Great Britain, some people, you know, you say, oh, are you from so-and-so? I'm not English. And you go, well, where are you from? And it's like a small village in England, they go, I'm from, like, such and such a place. And it's almost like, you know, we can't possibly be known as this giant organism. We have to be, no- like, this individual place, you know. It's, it's almost- and it's, well, it's funny, because, like, people, uh, it, it's, people like it's funny my mom her first language and it's like from from living in uh in because like, i went to did my grad schooling um i have to i have to feel a need to say this very carefully i went to grad school in cambridge but i didn't go to cambridge university i went to anglia ruskin another university that happens to be in cambridge because if i say i went to university in cambridge i know that people get a different impression of where i went to school um i have to say that quite carefully because uh, i don't want to overstate my qualification um but still anyways um, but I, I lived over there, um, and I only picked up a few Britishisms. And I, I know that there are Americans who, if they're living uh, in England, the first second they're off the plane, they start saying "bloody hell," like you know, to try to British it up. And that's not a thing that I ever picked up. But the two little Britishisms that really like stuck in my in my language were um, that I still uh, I still call, instead of calling my mother mom, I call her mum. Like and it's funny because my brother calls uh, calls my mother mom and I I like that little bitty change in how in how the word mom is said like my mom will uh, will catch it or people will catch me calling her mom instead and it's like like I never started calling her mummy like but it's she my mom will will always hear it and she'll be like mom huh I'm like yeah mom get over it um, but the other one is the phrase taken uh, the phrase taken the piss. And I think it's because, uh, like, I had a housemate who, would all, like, he um, he said once, he's like, 90% of British males' relationships are based on piss-taking. And it's like, the first time I heard that, I'm like, what, peeing next to each other? I'm, I was so confused. Uh, because, like, I would I'd hear British people saying, um, using the word pissed differently. Because if you say, I'm pissed in America, it means I'm angry. And if you say, I'm pissed in England, it means you're drunk. Oh, wait. There's people who they take it completely serious. You know, like if you're taking the mick out somebody, and you'll never survive in a pub in Britain 
because if you know, it's like some of your best friends will destroy you with cheek <laughs> and insults, and and then at the end of the day, you go off and have a you know, you have food have together laugh, yeah. and go home, you know, and you're just like, when you look at what you say to each other, sometimes you think, hmm. You, are you guys okay? Are you guys going to be okay? Is there going to be punching when you leave the pub tonight? Like, and it's I and I realized fairly quickly a bunch of my uh, guy friends over there they just they just take the piss and that's just how they are. And like I came back after seeing how my guy friends treated each other, it's like oh they're just taking the piss. And like I would tease my friends when I got back to the U.S. And I'm like I'm just taking the piss, and they they look at me like what do you mean taking the piss? What is this phrase? And I'm like I'm just teasing you. And I realized very quickly this was not a Britishism that translated, but it's still a phrase that that's stuck in my brain. And I won't like I'm like, I refuse to give this phrase up. I want this phrase to become an Americanism, too. And like, I don't think it's going to catch on. I mean, is that something that you see a lot of problems in America? Like, do you is it quite controlled about like, you know, say. Like, say when you did your research on Britain. Did you find it was a like a more open way of looking at research, or did it do these things it's, not translate worldwide? Like a, a, there, there were a few. Like I'm trying to think of if there were any Americanisms that didn't translate over there. And it's been so like it's been a decade now since I lived over there, but there weren't that many Americanisms that I had a hard time translating uh, that that like people didn't get. But hmm. the there were there were British there were very very British phrases that don't like that we just don't hear over over here like little bitty things that I'd have to go oh okay that's a Brit-. like Pete like how to phrase this like I, I, it's I, it would have to come up for me to go oh that's a British thing and it's like I think it's it's more like the American collo- uh, colloquialisms they make their way more over there and I think it's it's kind of like I said earlier, American shit makes its way out of America. Uh, the stuff in the rest of the world doesn't make its way back over here. Like, we hear the big ones. Like, everyone's heard bloody hell. No one's, like, people haven't heard the tiny little stuff. Um, that, like, and I mean, it's, I'd have to, I'm trying to think of stuff, and it's just, it's been so long that, that I, I'd have to have. Like, that's one of the examples that, like, stuck with me. And it's just, it's a thing that I hadn't even heard till I lived over there. And then I come back over here and it's just always in my head. And whenever I say it, someone goes, huh? And I'm like, what do you mean? You haven't heard the phrase taken the piss. And it's like, it's just not a phrase that Americans ever use. Because you'll get people, and it's, you know, they'll try to classify it and go, oh, that's how the, you know, you build a social economic group between the males by doing this and it's your bonding. You know, and we're just sitting there going, no, it's because he's a knob. You know, <laughs> it's like... It's like, well, it's like the the, the American uh, expression for that is I'm just busting your balls. Like, and that's, you know, and like that's almost, that's almost the exact expression, but not quite. Like, it's it's just very slightly off. Like, because ball busting is something you can do to anyone, but it's like, piss taking it's just it's it's slightly different slightly different i don't know but it's like it's there there are all these funny little differences that i that i saw with it but it's like americans don't quite have pub culture like right. that's something that i really missed about england like it's if you know random tuesday night nothing to do no one had uh had papers to work on like my my housemates and i would all go down to the pub and have a drink and then come back and keep drinking and like that was the thing that you know that we did and that's not a thing that i i saw us doing 
uh, like with any of my, like with my housemates, any place where I had, you know, uh, you know, roommates in the U S like that was just what you did when you lived in England. And it's like, I, and I loved it. It was not, it was very social when I lived there. And it might've just been that I was in grad school, but I, that was stuff that like, like I moved over there and I had a, a boyfriend that was like living in it. Like I met a, I, when I worked at summer camp in the U.S., I met a lovely young man who lived in England, and that's part of the reason when I, that I chose to go to grad school in England. And so I already had a boyfriend over there, and I'd gone to visit him a few times in the U.K. before I moved. Uh, and it's how, how to, back to, hearkening back to our conversation earlier, that's, uh, it, it turned out that the smell of his shit was not something I could put up with. Um, he was a very nice guy, just didn't work out. Um, but, like, same thing, like, pub culture is a thing that you know seemed to pervade uh the uk like if i was over there and there was nothing to do on a tuesday night out with friends uh and like that's something that doesn't seem to be a thing in the u.s and i miss that and like it's just it's something that was nice in the uk and i liked it and I, it's not here but yeah i there are lots, lots of things that i miss from over there you do get that quite a bit though it's a kind of you can go into a pub and have a brand new best friend in ten minutes. Yeah, know? yeah, and everyone's it's and everyone's very garrulous and very uh, and I mean it's something like I don't know if like and I'm I like I, I don't know if it's the writer in me or or what, but like I'm very I'm, I'm very easy to uh, it, it's very easy for me to to cloister myself off into my apartment and sit at my computer and and write, but like as soon as you get me into a social setting, um, as you can. As you can probably tell, it's hard to shut me the fuck up. Uh, so it's, but I mean, there was it was wonderful being in England because I learned the people there are great about like are, are wonderfully social. As soon as you get them into a pub, and it's and like I, I love that you can meet someone that the next day that you're you're out hanging out with, and you have uh, an, as you said a new best friend, and like they're you know they're the people in England I found to be simultaneously. Um, willing to, like I said, same as me, cloister themselves off and, you know, with their laptop and be very quiet or at the pub the next day, uh, chit chatting with you like they've known you for 20 years. And I kind of like that about the, co- the country. It, it was, uh, it, it was, I don't know, it was, I found England to be very kind to me and it was, it was a good time of my life. Because uh, it's, that's something I liked about your site. Like, it was one of the reasons I initially, you know, it was the, you used like sexuality, swearing, <laughs> having fun. <laughs> You know, it was like I was speaking to somebody in the pub about something I just read about in the paper. You know, you talked like a normal person. That's something I've, I've said about it for a while. I like to say that I'm I'm scientist as drinking buddy, and it's uh, I I think there's no reason to like I, just curious. I, I, this might be a strange question. Are we recording right now? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, technically, yes, but I can piece bits of this <laughs> together. I mean, I was going to actually say is because a lot of that was quite good. I can put, I can fit that in because one of the things I hate is when I sit and have an interview with somebody, and you say to them, "Okay," da, 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 and you hear the same thing rehashed over and over. Yeah. You know, I mean, every interview I heard it was something about Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, the food babe, all this kind of stuff. You yeah. Know? It's, I mean, we don't need to we don't need to rehash every last thing that I've said over and over again. Let's just chit chat. No, but yeah, the. Uh, I mean, I yeah, want exactly. people to come away and say, "What the hell?" Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, yeah the, uh, I know about that now. I'm in, like, I'm interested in her like site, and I want to go and check it out, and I want to know about this and that. But you know, 
She's a really yeah, interesting no, the, uh, person. But uh, anyway, anyways, back back to I just back to your question. Uh, no, the uh, part of the reason that it had kind of the flavor it did um, was because I I wanted it to feel you know kind of like you were talking to you know Yvette the human being, not uh, not Yvette Dantrum, a laboratory laboratory chemist. Like this is Yvette, your drinking buddy, uh, who's going to explain chemistry while we're sitting at the pub. Um, you know, to you, the human being who hasn't taken a, a chemistry class since you were 15. Um, and that's kind of the, that's generally the average age that people are required, like, you know, 15, 16, depending on the country you live in, that's about the normal age that people are required to take a science class at. So I'm like, all right, people are, people need to have this explained in a language that they understand. So I try to use you know, words that people know. I don't want you to have to run to a dictionary every five seconds. And I want it to be funny because that's how I like to read myself. Like when I'm, when I get home or, you know, back when I was still working as a lab chemist, because now I work full time, you know, as a science writer, like back when I was working as a lab chemist, when I got home at the end of the day, I didn't read scientific papers like all night. I was reading cracks.com. I was watching South Park. I was reading stuff that, you know, I was watching stuff that made me laugh. So, like, if I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there going, if this is what I'm doing with my free time, then I think that's probably what other people are doing with their free time. They want to be entertained, and they want to learn a little bit while they're being entertained. So let's make this for, for people who, you know, who want to laugh, kind of like me, and they want to learn something. I so that's, that's kind of how it got its origins. I mean, I, I looked at your site, and I was, I, I was wanting to start to speak to <laughs> a scientist because... It got to a point where every time I looked on, say, an article about Trump's good dis- claiming this, or <laughs> there was oh, man. flat earth or something like that, and the oh level of stupidity, for lack of a better word, you know, people just saying things, and it's like, do you think that's something that, where guys are going wrong now? Is it that we all think we have to have an opinion listened to? And it doesn't, you know, we can't have it questioned because some of the claims people are putting oh out my is God. a joke. It's how how to phrase this nicely. Um, everyone is entitled to their opinions, but, but like just because you have an opinion doesn't mean that it has any validity to it. So I can have an opinion that um, how to how to phrase this. I can have an opinion that I have the best goddamn tits on the face of the planet. That opinion is not backed up by other people's uh, subjective opinions. That's a completely subjective opinion with no data, with no other opinions, with no, uh, with, with nothing to back it up. That's just me spouting some shit into the void. Okay. Um, there's no, there's nothing backing that up just because someone says some shit doesn't mean there's anything uh, to, to give it validity. So look for, you know, look for sources that give something validity. So, you know, like whenever, who is it? B.O.B., the, the rapper who was like, the earth is flat. I'm like, okay, you, uh, who are you again? Just you, you, you rap, I guess. And I mean, I'm not saying this to, to say anything bad about rap. I enjoy, I enjoy hip hop. I enjoy rap. But just because you're famous for rapping doesn't mean you know jack shit about physics or astronomy. It means that you're famous for this other thing. It doesn't mean you know jack about, uh, about the roundness of the earth. So seek out people who know things about, you know, how to how to measure the planet and how to prove if the earth is you know in fact round like that's what i do is i go to find 
you know, people who know shit about shit. So, you know, seek out people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and astronomers and people who know these things. Don't seek out your information from people who are just famous for other shit. Like, that's how you find out information. Because that's what really wound me up. You know, there was a guy who, he was trying to claim that the Earth was flat, for example, by going into a plane, and he took a, yep. what do you call one of oh those? Oh, my God. Um, to show it's flat um, bubble oh. measures, and he put oh, it onto geez. the floor of the plane and said, "There you go. We should be oh, on the a level. curve." Yeah, and it was just that kind of, you know, you're not even understanding your own experiment, and then he's taking an assumption from that. And I remember um, I read some of the comments when you, like, you did your interview with Joel Rogan, and the oh, people yeah. who were coming out to, no med, no background, no interest in anything, and going. Oh, no, 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 that's not right. And they would come in with, I read this. And that's the bit that got to me. It was like, no I read experience. this. Yeah, and it's, yeah, I mean, I, it's, I, the, and I mean, the Joe Rogan interview was, was an interesting one because, like, Joe brought me onto his, and I mean, I was really appreciative. I had a lot of fun. And, and Joe strikes me as an inquisitive person who, you know, he's, he's trying to find out what's true and what's not. And I think, and I kind of, I respect that about him, even if I don't always agree with, uh, with his conclusions. And I, you know, I appreciate someone who's trying to learn. Um, and that was, you know, it was a fun podcast. It was, you know, I was on my toes for a lot of that, but the, my God, I got three weeks of hate mail for that, but you know, hate mail kind of makes me laugh at this point. (laughs) Like, you know, that's just part of the job when you're putting out a lot of opinions that people are going to disagree with, even if those are opinions are based in goddamn facts like people are just going to yell at you a lot so there was uh, like i was on there to talk about chiropractic and like joe's um one of one of my friends described uh some of his followers as his uh as his the the brogan uh army (laughs) so he has a lot of interesting followers who have a lot of very um shall we say firmly held beliefs (laughs) um and you know there that that includes everything from the earth being flat uh, to the fact that, you know, how dare Joe speak anything ill of chiropractic, which was what I was on there to talk about. Um, and, I, you know, I was there not to convince uh, Joe that chiropractic was bad. He already had that opinion. He hunted down my article, uh, which, you know, was heavily cited, uh, which, you know, went and I mean, and I seeded in that article that there are some chiropractors that are trying to introduce, you know, evidence and peer reviewed studies into the field. But I said that the field of chiropractic was based on a lot of pseudoscience. And it started out with a guy literally holding seances, to try to, you know, to try to form this field. And, you know, I didn't deny in the field that some people are, that some people have had relief from it. Like, I'm not trying to say that if you've had relief from chiropractic, that that's not true. Like, if you've gone to a chiropractor and have had some some back relief, that that's completely feasible. However, a lot of what they do that gives uh, back relief is more is, is massage mixed in with this spinal manipulation. And the other thing is, if you're trying to get back relief out of spinal manipulation, the much safer way to do this is with a doctor of osteopathy who knows much more about anatomy than a doctor of chiropractic. So there were many, many things that we discussed on that, and I got so much hate mail. So if you, I don't know if you read my article on that uh, or not, but there were a couple of responses 
uh, written to my article on chiropractic, and none of them were disputing the facts of the article. Uh, they were all just kind of yelling at me that I was um, that I was not a babe. Uh, there were a lot of ad hominem attacks. Ooh. I'm like, wow, you you really debunked all that science that I wrote about. I re-, and it's like I just at this point I just laugh when people attack me. It's like that's the only way to survive these things. Like you can sit there and cry when people spew venom at you, or you can go, oh, you called me a cunt. Oh, you have a lot of science to back you up, don't you? Like you can't survive when you're when you're uh, you know writing things that that ruffle people's feathers if you have a thin skin. Like it's it's either grow a very thick skin and deal with the fact that you're going to have hell rained upon you or, or, you know, sit there and eat Ben and Jerry's every night to try to cope with people yelling at you. And I, I just kind of chose uh, thick skin and deal with the fact that I'm ruffling feathers. Cause if all people have uh, to deal with the fact that I'm debunking something that they hold dear is to, sh- you know, shout hatred at me. It means that I, that uh, they don't have any science. Like, because if I'd gotten the facts wrong, I'd be very happy to change my mind. But it doesn't seem like that's the case. Well, it was like people were commenting, saying, you know, I know, I know the name from the site, for example. It's a play on the, you know, the food babe and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. People are kind of saying, well, she's not a babe, or you know, it's somebody who calls herself a babe, um, and like that made your opinion or your, you know, the stated facts which you were backing up was um, your evidence was any was incorrect because they didn't I'm like look you. I look yeah. I can look number one I am I am damn near fuckable with two beers in your system okay <laughs> so that's good enough for that title all right and number two that, that should be your tagline exactly damn near fuckable with two beers in your system <laughs> but uh no it's i uh number two uh you're it's if and if i wanted to go with something else look your hitachi will fuck me no matter how many beers you give it so that works um but it's the other thing is like the the babe thing was a joke uh if they it's i i, I and it's you know what um i i gosh darn it you layer enough makeup on me i'm adorable but the other thing is they had nothing to argue with in terms of the science so they just went for ad hominem attacks which i'm like if they and i i've said long like many many times if they wanted to argue with the science i would listen and they didn't so um that was kind of telling to say the least but you know the the other thing that they kept coming back with was anecdote after anecdote after anecdote i'm like no matter how many pieces of anecdote Pardon me. No matter how many anecdotes you come back with, that's not data. So I, I would I would have loved to have seen uh, someone come back with you know something to debunk the studies I wrote or something, but that wasn't what happened. So it was a little bit sad. I mean, I, I could I kind of get it by looking at your site. I mean, you have like for example, you know, but one see we're on the homepage for example, and there's a yeah. article about does D does a sperm take on the DNA of. Or, um, you know, like a child taking the DNA of any, of all male partners. So, you know, you could use oh, man. for that. And then, the, like, further down the page, an incomplete list of complete bullshit websites. Oh, so immediately, gee, that's people's opinion, you know, like, oh, but I like so-and-so. Oh, no, she's got to be wrong. Even though the evidence is right in one thing, you know what I mean? It's... Oh yeah, and I and I can see why I ruffle people's feathers. Like I'm I'm not unaware of uh, of why I I invoke some strong opinions in the people that don't like me. Not not unaware of this at all. But 
you know what, like there, there are two options that you have when you do something like this. You can, you can be very, um, you know, you can like, you can either opt to, uh, to be, um, to be bombastic and be very clear in what you believe and let people hate you a little bit. And that's, you know, that's kind of the route I've chosen because, uh, there's no, um, you know, there's, there's no, um, victory in this if uh if i'm not um i mean i had a phrase this there's no victory in this if i'm not very uh ardent in how i present things because there's uh you know i i'm fighting with people that are presenting fake cancer cures uh and things that take people's money for for health that you know for you know for health products that don't work and that's you know i i think that that uh, you know, doing things in a way that really gets a message out there is important. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to be dishonest in, in what I do because I think that that puts me in legally tenuous territory. Um, you know, I try to be very, uh, as as my lawyer has phrased it, I try to be legally defensible in how I write. And I never try, and I try very, very carefully uh, to accurately represent what the people who I'm fighting against uh, say so if I if I'm writing about the food babe I'm writing about David Avocado Wolf I'm writing about a chiropractor I aim to represent them accurately even if I'm aiming to represent them uh, in a in a negative light so if they've said something I'm not going to uh, write about it in a dishonest way but I am going to write about it negatively which I think is is an honest way to work but they you know they can dislike that all they want it's not going to make it untrue so, I mean, we all look at things, you know, with our, like, our own personal BS and our biasisms and our, oh, yeah. our own beliefs, etc. So, h- how would you say to people not to listen to the fact that you're female or judge your, attra- you know, attractiveness or whatever drama they're attaching to it, but to actually listen to what you're saying, you know, how to, how should they use and develop their own critical thinking to actually listen to it rather than just going, no, no, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Well, there was a funny thing that I did at my, I had a presentation very recently uh, at um, at the American Atheist uh, Conference. And I said, you know, you shouldn't take bad health advice from anyone, no matter how attractive they are or unattractive they are. And I said that there was, you know, you get bad health advice. And part of the reason that gurus uh, managed to, manage to spread bad health advice is because they're really, really attractive. Uh, and it's people like Gwyneth Paltrow and Food Babe and even David Avocado Wolf, who looks, they, they just look so natural. And they always look backlit, don't they? Um, and, you know, I tell people to question me, to question all the advice I'm giving. And, like, even if, you know, don't take the advice straight from me, fact check me. I don't tell people to take the advice from me without questioning it. Um, and I put up in this, this was just this wonderful little demonstration of why we don't take advice from pretty people without questioning it. Um, I put up a slide of Gwyneth Paltrow saying, you know, like she just looks glowy and naturally and and healthy. And, you know, that's part of the reason why people take all this health advice from her is because she, you know, you think if you buy this product from her website, you're going to look like her. You know, that might not be what people are thinking when they buy it, but subconsciously, that's kind of the thought, right? So, you know, have a slide of her. I'm like, but, you know, she doesn't have any medical training. So, you know, is it like, would people take this health advice from another actor who maybe has a little more medical training? So I clicked to the next slide and it was a picture of Steve Buscemi or Buscemi. 
I'm mixing up the, the pronunciation of his name, but you know, it's the guy from uh, yeah, from the movie Colors Armageddon. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's a uh, you know has has slightly has you know he's shall we say his features are shall we say a shade less fair than than Miss uh, than Miss Paltrow. But here's the thing: he was a New York City firefighter from 1980 to 1984, which means he was also an EMT. He has more medical training than Ms. Paltrow. And he is, shall we say, not quite the beacon of loveliness that some might say Ms. Paltrow is. I don't think, pe- I don't think people would listen to, uh, to, to Steve if he were to tell people, you should shove a jade egg into your vagina. But he has more medical training than her. I, I, I just think that it's funny that people will listen to someone when they're really, really attractive uh, and not, you know, when they're just a shade less glowy, when they're just a shade less lovely. But I tell people, question me, question me all the time, fact check my work. And when I'm wrong, I'll ch- like I'll edit my things in real and I'll put it right there on my site that I've edited something if I have, uh, and if specifically if I've edited something for a piece of factual information, but I want people to question me. I think it's important for people to fact check my, my information, but I, that's, uh, that's, uh, part of my, uh, big thing is don't treat me like a guru because that's not what I'm ever aiming to be. But it's that moment of, like, I completely agree with that because, you know, you get these people who come through and say, Oh yeah, everybody's buying it, so I'm gonna buy it. It works because it's so many people. It wouldn't be fake if so many people were buying it, or you know, nope. they trust it because they're famous. Then oh yeah, I'm gonna get it. Oh, that's that's a bad reason to trust someone. Like I never, I never want. Like somebody the other day on the internet, somebody was uh, like, I dropped into a thread to just you know because like I'll just because no matter what, like I'm still an asshole and I will still just argue with someone on the internet because it's there to be argued. And I dropped into a thread and argued about something and someone said back nope i'm not going to argue with Cy, babe i'm like no argue with me like and it wasn't that i was raring for an argument but i didn't want someone to back down from their point just because it was me like that was like and it's like i think that their reasoning was i was probably right because i wouldn't back up the statement just because you know like if it was Cy, babe i would probably not back up a bad statement but like i'm like no i could be wrong there's a chance that i stumbled across a bad piece of information like i don't want people to back down from me and that's like that's a scary thing and it worries me that people will one day not argue with me um because they think that i couldn't possibly get a bad piece of information and it's possible that i could like that's a thing that could happen and because I'm human and I'm like I'm not infallible nobody is like I I argue with other people in skepticism all the time because we're just we're just a bunch of assholes trying to figure shit out well that was one of the criticisms I noticed about it was somebody well quite a few people were saying with the interview with Joe Rogan you know the, you were there for two and a half hours and oh man you yeah. miss you mispronounce some of the phrases you couldn't use a you know you couldn't quote a particular like site and i was thinking if i didn't have my evernote page open sometimes i would forget a question i wrote a minute ago oh my god yeah just because you can't remember it doesn't mean you don't know it well there was one word i was trying to find it was either endocrinology or immunology and for full disclosure on that i um i'm on a medication for my headaches uh topamax that sometimes uh, gives you a side effect uh, where you have hard, a hard time finding words, and that is my biggest fear when I'm on podcasts. Is not is it, the 
term for that is aphasia, where you can't find words. Um, and that is always my biggest fear when I go on a podcast, is sitting there hunting for words and not being able to find them. So I'm sitting there, of course, going, fuck, what is the word for this? I'm going to look like an asshole. Um, and I'm looking for, I don't remember off the top of my head, it was either immunology or, epi- I think it was immunology that I'm hunting for. And I'm like, God, what the fuck is the word for that? And I couldn't find it. And I'm, of course, I'm sitting there going, blonde moment. And I'm like, all of Joe Rogan's followers are going to fucking jump on me for that. And of course they did. But it's like, that's the type of shit that happens uh, when, like, when you're managing a chronic condition and you're on the air live and you don't want to say, by the way, I'm on this. And of course, someone like if I'd said that, someone in the audience would have been like, she should try chiropractic. It'll help her headaches. Like, I'm sure that's the thing that would have happened. Like, if chiropractic could have helped my headaches by now, I promise you it would have. Well, see, it's, that's the moment. It's like people are sitting there going, oh, no, she made a mistake, right? That means everything else everything, is wrong. Everything, everything. Like, and it's it's hard to, like, to eloquate that out because, like, I'm, I promise you, like, if if I've just, just been there, because he has other people on just to shoot the shit who don't have to back up a very complicated uh, subject that they've researched for a few weeks, like, that they're not, like... And it's like, yeah, I, I don't know as much about chiropractic as a chiropractor. Yeah, I can guarantee you that. But I also know enough about the history of it to tell you that it's bullshit. There's, like, mm. it, it's pretty easy to tell you that, that, you know, the whole field. Like, I can tell you a few things about it. Number one, if you're, um, like, they, they misrepresent the field to their uh, patients. Not all, again, not all of them. There are some of them that, you know, I, that, from conversations with them. And I mean, I've had a decent number of them and this is crazy to me. Uh, I think at this point, three or four of them have emailed me to say, I loved your article. I halfway through school, I realized how much bullshit I was being fed because I thought I was going to school to learn how to, um, how to fix back pain and part like either halfway through or partway through my first year, I realized I was fucked. Um, this was a bullshit field and, uh, and I needed to, you know, I was so far in debt because of being in school that I'm like, you know what, I'll be able to at least make a decent living. I'm going to try to find a way to market this that doesn't make me feel icky about it. Um, and I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to work this out. And I, you know, a few of them went to their websites and saw, I'm like, wow, they're actually, they're not trying to tell people that they can fix their life by adjusting their back. So they're trying to, so they worked physical therapy into it and worked ways out that it wasn't, you know, telling people I can fix your gallbladder by adjusting your back. So there have been a few chiros that came and I, one of them pointed me towards, and this was nuts to me. There is a forum full of chiropractors, like, uh, uh, you know, talking about how bullshit chiropractic was like, that was the craziest thing that that like that was the craziest little tumble down this rabbit hole that I went that happened um, after uh, doing this article was a forum full of chiropractors discussing how bullshit chiropractic was like the, I didn't expect that to happen but apparently like they all a bunch of them have all decided this is nuts like it's like yeah I can help relieve some back pain uh, not quite as well as massage but it definitely can't do all the other shit that they claim it can do. So we, or at least at this point, let me let me just make, let me just make that legally defensible. It does not seem to do all the other shit it claims it can do. So how does that build? You know, I, because there must have been a point where somebody either thought it did that or has lied about that. You know, it's how how can you 
how can they defend that in in that way? If you know, you mean how does how does a chiropractor uh, defend that it does all the things that they claim it does? Yeah, I mean, because surely the whole nature of science, rather than versus opinion, is that science is provable, repeatable, and they're observable facts. And that, say, I could do the exact same experiment here that you could do over there, and we'd get the same results. It's why, the, and you, I mean, this is this is one of the things that I would have to say. It's I mean, it's hard to it's hard to prove exactly what's happening with it, but. The uh, the best way I can say it, because a lot of the things that they claim are uh, are things like like you know if they'll I mean some of this is stuff like you know with with uh, childhood and infant chiropractic like they'll claim that they can fix ear infections um, and eighty something like uh, sixty to eighty percent of ear infections kind of clear up on their own so they ingest and this is this is insane that they do this they'll adjust like a child's neck and then they'll be like oh look the ear infection went away well it was going to go away on its own. They'll claim they can fix bedwetting. Well, the child was going to learn how to how to how to not wet the bed eventually. Like that's the thing that was going to go away on its own. Um, back pain. Well, they they give you um, a back adjustment, and then they do a bunch of physical therapy exercises along with it. Well, physical therapy is amazingly good at fixing back pain. So that's uh, you know it's like I mean it was funny because I read an article recently from a science writer who I, I love very much over at Vox and she put physical therapy into the alternative therapy category and physical therapy isn't alternative therapy it's therapy so I mean that's you know like if you have a chiropractor who's giving you therapy therapy like you know giving you uh, strengthening exercises that's the type of therapy that actually works if you strengthen the muscles around the spine it does tend to help. So that, you know, long-term, strengthen the muscles up, exercise. And there are a handful of exercises that long-term uh, will work. And it's um, – I need to find the – I can shoot this over to you after the show. Um, but there was a, 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 an, it was an article in Vox from Julia Belouz that was talking about some of the uh, therapies that long-term uh, work on back pain. But there are three specific exercises that if you do every day do tend to reduce the incidence of low back pain um, that have just, you know, that I know a couple of physicians that continue to do them to both reduce their own back pain and reduce the possible incidence of it over time. I, I wish I had them off the top of my head, but like you said, you don't remember things on the fly all the time. Well, see, that's the thing is somebody listening to this who maybe agrees that, you know, maybe disagrees with something that you've just said will go, no, no, see, can't prove it. Not true. So it's, Yep, it's like, how dare I not remember every article I've read on the weekend that I've moved in 115 degree weather? <laughs> I, mean, so. I've, I mean, I've got an, a, a, a choir, uh, I was going to say chiropractor. I don't know why I suddenly had a speech impediment. The chiropractor <laughs> coming later apparently, on. Apparently, speech impediments are apparently, uh, you can catch them when you're hanging out with me. <laughs> so. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't know enough about this. Now, part of my show is for me to learn more about things, and I know that other people do as well. So. My, I don't know enough to say you're wrong, they're wrong, whatever. But I want to listen to both sides to make a valued opinion by saying, okay, see what you claim, see what they claim, and see what I can discover, and make a, a you know, my own opinion from it. Yeah. But how, why, how do you tell people? And I'm fed up. You see it in YouTube arguments the whole time. They all come in with their own personal bias. How yep. can they learn to? look at this with an open view how you know how what's a warning thing in your thinking that makes you should immediately go 
Oh, no, no, no. I'm looking at that skewed. It's, I'm looking at that as a loaded question. Well, let's see. With, with When it comes to something like chiropractic, or with never mind just chiropractic, with any type of medicine, uh, no one thing causes, or generally, no one thing causes everything to go wrong. So no one treatment should cause everything to be fixed, right? Like, you know, it's, I mean, I get it. When you get a flu or a cold, you feel like everything's gone to shit. But, like, you don't, uh, you don't expect one thing to fuck up everything in your life. Like, uh, you have, for example, like, I have uh, a trigeminal nerve headache. That trigeminal nerve headache doesn't cause my, my left foot to fall asleep. Uh, it doesn't cause uh, constipation. You know, it doesn't cause all the other, it doesn't cause other, ran- I'm not saying I'm constipated, but moving on. Like, it doesn't cause other random things, you know? Like, back pain doesn't cause other shit. So you wouldn't expect a treatment for your back to randomly cause your spleen to feel better. You know, it doesn't cause other things in your body to feel better. And at this point, uh, chiropractic isn't like, you know, adjusting your spine, other things for your spine, uh, like physical therapy, um, like strengthening exercises, don't cause other systems of your body uh, to, to improve in health. So why would chiropractic? It's kind of pseudoscience And you see that with other, you know, kind of alternative health modalities. So when you hear things about a detox, like it claims that it makes like all of your systems feel better. And there's just no proof to that. So like, you know, with other medications, like, yeah, they can uh, affect other systems, but they don't work on other systems. They don't specifically, uh, you know, fix other systems. And I'm sure somebody's going to say, what about side effects? But like, there's this strange claim in chiropractic that it somehow heals every system all at once just by touching your spine. And there's just no evidence of this at this point. And there's no, like, firm evidence. And I I want people to critically examine any claim that something in your health is a panacea. So, because there's nothing in your health that fixes everything. And that's just, like, basically anytime you see something claiming to be a panacea, run. Run. Because it might fix one or two things, but it's not going to fix everything. Be very, very critical of that. So how can somebody who's listening, who maybe is interested in these sort of things or, you know, has an illness or a condition that they want to deal with, but as soon as we start talking about ad hominem, cognitive dissociations, all these kinds, how can somebody whose head just starts spinning with some of these terms, you know, like understand it in layman terms, are there things that they should watch out for or how can they start really understanding science? Apart from reading your site, obviously. Well, I mean, there are a couple different things that I suggest. Whenever you hear a claim that's too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. Um, So a couple things that I do kind of for my debunking process, uh, number one, look to see if there's another side to it. Like, number one, first, if you're suffering with your health, I, I, you know, that... I, a that sucks. I've been th- I've been through hell uh, with my health, and I, I did try everything. Like so, somebody's sitting here going, "Yvette, you just didn't try it." Um, I did. Like when I when my headache started, I went vegan, organic. I even tried I tried paleo. I went down. That's like a level five uh, crime in the in the world of doing <laughs> bullshit. Um, I did everything. Like I so if you try telling me I haven't tried all of these these things and that's why I don't uh 
believe in it. Like, no, I, I tried. I seriously did. Um, and you know what works? Medicine. So if you're suffering with your health, number one, go to your doctor. Seriously. Like a couple of jackasses talking on a podcast, like we're fun, but the first place you should be is your doctor. Uh, but number two, like if you're, you know, if you're having, like if treatment is taking a long time and you're starting to get desperate, uh, and you're going through like food blogs and alternative health bloggers, uh, this is a sign to you that something is going severely wrong uh, and you shouldn't be seeking out health advice from bloggers. Like going through uh, forums and going and looking for help from people who have also been there, that makes sense because you're, you know, you're in a support group and you're asking other people for what worked for them. But if a blogger is telling you, uh, give me your money for nineteen ninety five a month, I can give you the secret to health. Like that's some bullshit right there. Don't give your money to a person on the internet who's gonna give you a secret to health. Like there's no secret to health. There's medicine and that's the stuff that's been proven to work. Like don't don't dole out tons of money on supplements because those if if it says on the bottle uh, these statements haven't been evaluated on the by the FDA, that's a generally a big old uh, flashing sign that means uh, this does jack shit. Like every so often there's a supplement that your doctor will tell you you need to take it because you're deficient in something. But other than that, most of them don't do anything. Most, like I said, most of them, there's a, there are a few provisos in there, uh, folic acid for, uh, for prenatal care that has been proven to work. Um, Make sure you have a brand that's certified, all that good stuff. And I believe creatinine uh, does some work for lifters, but other than uh, in conjunction with diet and exercise. But other than that, a lot of them only take if you're deficient on something. Moving on, um, if something claims to be a panacea for uh, everything, probably some bullshit. Um, if someone's claiming that they have a secret to health that uh, that doctors are keeping from you. Uh, I promise you not the case because doctors are like, I promise you they didn't go through like 10 years of school and get into like half a million dollars of debt to keep shit from you. They went through all that schooling to try to get you fucking healthy. Uh, so if someone's telling you that doctors are lying to you, but them who took like, but they who took like a, a two week course on essential oils. Oh yeah. They're in it for altruistic fucking purposes. No, they're in it to make money. They found an advertisement that said, do you want to make money from home and have fun at the same time? No, they're trying to make money. I promise you. That's a thing that's happening because uh, the uh, like the essential oils and the uh, the juicing market, that's like billion dollar industry. So and it's never been proven to cure a case of cancer or whatever the fuck you have. So uh, don't listen to those people. They're uh, they're bullshit artists, too. Uh, again, go, you, do you notice the theme here of go to your doctor? Um, try to see if there's another side of the story. Look for peer-reviewed evidence. And if you need help, uh, places with uh, really critical um, analysis of evidence are places like my website with a lot of swearing, or if you prefer less swearing, uh, places like Science-Based Medicine um, have really good reviews of a lot of things like this. Sciencebasedmedicine.org, really, really good uh, place with rundowns of all the evidence. Heavily cited, uh, Dr. David Gorski um, is a really, really good uh, person who's got a lot of reviews of these types of things uh, over on Sci-Based Medicine. Anyways, that's, uh, that's a good review of it. Always ask, like I said, always ask if there's another side of the story. Um, look to see where the balance of evidence is. Uh, and if it's on a place like naturalnews.com, Merkula.com, uh, or, uh, or Infowars, fucking run, run. 
that's that's uh, that's about it. Or uh, davidavocadowolf.com because avocados are delicious, but not if they're in somebody's middle name. That's about it. Because you see that the whole time, though. You know, I'll like I go to the gym. I have built up my deadlift, say for example. Nice. And I have people who will turn around and they'll say. But no, 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 that's not the way you do it, because they watch a YouTube video that says this. Oh, jeez. Rather than somebody who's actually <sighs> done it, who can show them a yes. training method to do it, or, um, like, how, to take this as it's, basic as possible, how do you explain, how do you know? say, to somebody from opinion of something to evidence? How, what's, because you see this the whole time of, yeah, there's a God, Why? Because I read the Bible, I believe in it. But oh. what what evidence is there? Uh, no, no, no. I can feel him around, and it's like, but th- it's, that's not evidence. It's your opinion, and there needs to be evidence. I know it's a touchy subject and emotion and stuff like that. But how how can you get to that point where you explain that with people? Because it's almost like it's no, no. It's my opinion. I know. I f- I feel it. So I don't need to prove it. It's like no. We, you believe that this is a thing that's happening. I have evidence in this thing. I can, like, if we, and I mean, this was, I'm trying to remember who said this, and it was either, I think it was a comic, but this was beautiful. Like, if we burned this whole place to the fucking ground, just nothing left but the cockroaches and Keith Richards, which we all know is how it would go. Uh, If if we just burned everything to the ground and had to start civilization over again, uh, science would come back exactly as we left it. The the chemicals would combine in the exact same way. We would find the exact same evidence all over again of how life works. Caffeine would fuel you the same way. Uh, Salt would combine the same way to make food fucking delicious. Uh, And everything would work the same way. Physics, physics would happen the same goddamn way. Water would hydrate you the same way. Everything would work the same way. Uh, Quantum mechanics would work the same way, and only two people on the planet would understand it. That's exactly how everything would happen. But you know what? A different batch of gods, a fucking different batch of gods, and a different batch of bullshit would show up. That's exactly what would happen. That's exactly what would happen. We'd have a whole new set of bullshit. But I can almost guarantee you that toxins, that people would claim that detoxes worked. Because that's just a thing that we've seen through history. People have claimed. But you know what? We've had different uh, types of detox type things through history. At one point, people claimed that your body formed the toxins after you ate the food. No matter what you ate, you became to- like food became toxic within you, but you had to detox anyway. So no matter what, like you were just a toxic piece of human garbage. <laughs> so and no matter how you ate, you were just you're just toxic. Um, and like at one point, I believe it was. And this is in uh, my friend uh, Alan Levinovitz's book, The Gluten Lie, wonderful book. Uh, and he said, uh, like, originally, uh, and it was picking apart the gluten myth. And he, the way, and it's funny, he's a religion professor who ended up writing a book on food uh, because he was looking at, I, I believe it was Buddhist monks who first started saying you have to avoid grains and you can get, like, the secrets to immortality and that eventually you can fly. And eventually they changed their story because nobody started flying for some crazy reason. Um, and then eventually they changed their story to saying that you had to avoid meat instead of grains. But like this thing where you have to avoid certain foods to to become 
like healthy and enlightened and spiritually like better than everyone else. It's always been with us. This is not new. It's just, you know, like it's just a trend that seems to keep popping up in fun in crazy enough, really, really rich areas of the world. Funny how that works. Yeah, and it's it's always when there's something to be sold, you know. It's always yep. I found the secret thing, which I'm now going to yep. sell to you. And it's, it, exactly. Here's the secret to health for a crazy amount of money. The secret to health is always if there's no secret, just eat your fruits and vegetables and move some. Find a way that you like moving and do it. See, that's the way I always say to people: is don't if you don't like the gym. Don't go to the gym. Do something yeah. else. Go but go outside. Move. Go go hiking. Go just do get get outside for thirty to or do some moving to thirty to forty five minutes about five, four to five days a week and you'll probably be all right. Don't smoke. Uh, do you know get get your fruits and veggies. Don't eat too much. Like whatever way you know. Like and I mean people will go back and forth on if carbs or fats or what you know whatever form of calories. Just don't eat too many fucking calories. Like, the enemy is not carbs or fats or proteins. The enemy is too much. Like, that's, and I'm, like, I'm sure somebody will disagree with me on that, but, like, time and time again, and they've done experiments on this, and I can send it over to you uh, after this. There's this great uh, website, Physiognomic, um, that has a couple of articles compiling study after study showing that if you get somebody on a limited calorie diet, no matter what the composition has been, people will lose weight and get their weight to a stable point. And it's just that people are very bad at, at counting calories. Because that's what I always say to people is you just, if you accept a food, eating food has calories. Calories yes. are what, uh, you know, what either loses weight or, you know, like eating it, eating calories puts on weight. If yes, we spend absolutely. more cal- you know, if we spend more calories then we eat, we lose weight. Yep, and, and I mean, yeah, you know, and vice versa. And yep, and and quality, like quality of the food counts. Like you should get more fruits and veggies, but like no matter, like even if you get your calories in the form of a, of all protein shakes and or all like you know all, all Twinkies, you'll get like as long as it's below the threshold that you're burning, you'll lose weight. And I mean. There are complications there. Some people, like if you're on steroids, if you're on medications that screw with your with your metabolic rate or make it more likely for you to put on water weight or whatnot, there are some complications that a small percentage of the population has. I promise you in America, we are not all experiencing a metabolic issue. We're experiencing a calorie issue, okay? Uh, but there's, uh, you know, we're notoriously bad at tracking our calories and in an environment where there are uh, where there's an excess of calories available people will eat those excess calories there's no uh there's there's no way around that so if you know people have to be more conscientious of what they're putting into their mouths and move a little bit more and that's you know that's the way around that there's no secret there's no perfect there's no one perfect human diet it's what works for you and keeping track of what you eat and that's gonna i mean like there's I know I've heard people say like, oh, but this diet healed X, Y, and Z, um, you know, health issue of mine. Yeah, it's because you lost weight, so your joints felt better because you weren't carrying extra weight on them. Like a lot of different health issues are known to feel better when you're at a healthy weight. Like, and I mean, I get it. There are going to be people that are going to yell at me for my use of the term healthy weight. It's like, you know, let's just go with the standard medical definition of healthy weight. Um, And there's a certain range for that. And some people it's higher and some people it's lower. But you know what I mean when I say healthy weight. 
I mean, it's the the dull end of the spectrum. If you wanted to be very specific, you could go into very technical and break down the terms, but a lot of people don't understand that, and it's when I try to explain it to, say, people in my office at work, you know, you'd explain it and they'd say, oh, no, 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 I've read about this brand new diet where it's a cleanse diet where you only eat such and such and you only drink, you know, this particular uh, fruit juice for a while. And you oh. think, and they go, because it detoxes my body. And I thought, that's what the liver does. <laughs> and it's just, it, those, rather like, than go did, did for you, a walk. Did you have your liver removed? My God, you must be very ill. Because, you know, rather than go for a walk, for example, they'd rather sit there and eat a bunch of sweets as they talk about needing to lose weight. And then they'll go, okay, I'm on a diet now. And no. all a diet does is it makes your willpower struggle because you're you're punishing yourself. You're not eating healthy. I mean... I still yeah, eat the odd snack and all that, but I'm losing weight because I'm eating on the whole healthy. healthier. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is, like, people are bad at moderation. And, I mean, it's, like, I go back and forth between trying to figure out, is it, you know, how much of someone's fault is it when you, like, we're, like, humans are not, like, I'd say we're not designed, but we're not, we're not evolved. Uh, we've not evolved to be in this environment in which we have tons of calories available to us all the time. Like this is, this is not what we, you know, what we were developed for because like we, you know, the first we've been around for give or take like this, this species that we are right now, because, you know, there was, there was a slow evolution to, to, you know, homo sapiens. We, the homo sapien has been around, I believe if I'm, if I'm recalling my, uh, my forensic anthropology courses correctly, about 200,000 years. And over that time, it was, you know, it was only about the last 10, 15,000 where we had uh, a lot of, a lot more calories available to us. And in that last 10,000, you know, we've, we've only had the type of technology where we can make uh, a lot of food available very recently. So it's strange for us as a species to have a lot of calories available. And we're just now getting used to that. We're figuring out how do we manage buttloads of calories. We don't know how to do that. And we're trying to figure out, like, what, you know, how do we manage this? And in that time, we're doing some stupid shit. And, you know, some people are saying there's a secret to health. And, I mean, whenever I hear secret to health, it's like, no, no, no. Just don't, just don't be stupid about this new fucking uh, non-scarcity that we're living in. And that's something that we have to uh, get right with. And we have to learn how to cope with is that we're now the most successful species that has ever lived to the point where it's killing us. Because hmm. you'll have people who will argue the fact that, you know, you don't know what you're talking about in a toxicology area, for example, but then they'll turn around and take their kid for a McDonald's every day for breakfast. And you just think, how can somebody who generally does that, with that kind of level of critical thinking, seriously question somebody who's spent years working and learning about this kind of things and has the research and the experience to back it up i i I just it really puzzles me how some people like laymen can actually question like nasa like you know this um was it the there's an ice wall around the earth the flat earth and the governments are stopping us from going out there to see the truth but that allows them to keep in that bullshit belief you know it's. I'm, I was trying to. I, I was trying to think of that, and I just every time I hear somebody something about something uh, uh, something about someone that stupid, I just my brain goes blank for a moment. I'm sorry. 
Uh, but it's what I think is funny about that is people will take the predictions from NASA short term, like about a giant hurricane coming to drown their city, but they won't take the predictions long term, like about climate change or that, you know, the climate changing uh, leads to those giant hurricanes that are fucking up the planet. So it's very interesting what people will listen to and what they won't listen to. Uh, and by interesting, I mean horrifying, but people will go back and forth and say, you know, science doesn't, science doesn't know everything. Science can't explain everything. I'm like, no, science isn't, doesn't know everything. Science is a way to learn about everything. Science is a way to observe the universe and learn about the universe. It's basically science admits it doesn't know everything, but that's the beauty of it. It's, it's the way by which we know everything because it's, science says we don't know. Let's find out. And that's like one day we might know everything. And the way we're going to know that is by science, is by looking around and saying, I don't know, I've got a question, let's, let's find the answer to it. So we, we make observations, we take measurements, and we try to come to a conclusion. And, and once we think we have an answer to it, we run that experiment again. And we have another lab run that experiment. And we see if we come to the same conclusion. If we don't, we go, all right, there's something interesting here. Let's see if we can replicate this or if there's something wrong with our experiment. And we try to get more data and more data and more data until we think we have a firm conclusion. And that's how science works. It's not mm. just it's not just one asshole has an idea and then we go to like the board of science and science says here's our conclusion because an old white man in a suit said so. It's a bunch of fucking data that eventually points to one picture after a ton of research, and that's science. I mean, for example, to follow on to that, the idea of a theory. You know, the theory of gravity, the theory of um, revolution, uh, I was say revolution, that's a nightclub. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like people go, oh, gravity's just a theory. Evolution's yeah. just a theory. At what point, it's, the fact that the, the idea of a, a theory in science means different to a theory in a belief. Yeah, it's... Because a theory in science is, is basically, we've got, it's kind of like we use the, the term theory when we say, ah, I had a thought uh, in casual language. Uh, and theory in science is, is akin to a law, basically. It's like we have uh, no higher uh, uh, bit of proof because, like you said, gravity is considered a theory. But theory is, it's, it's at the point where, you know, we've got this shit figured out. So when someone goes, it's just a theory, it's like, God damn it, you found no better way to make me grind my teeth. So this is this is very, very different uh, than, you know, what we use for, for theory and casual language. It's, I, I have it's, to sort of explain it, it to it's, people over the, and over. Uh, the, the best way I found to explain it is when someone says, I have a theory, I'm like, no, 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 you have a hypothesis. You have a thought. <laughs> that is not what we mean by theory and science. And this is the thing, it's the people kind of immediately go, you know, the kind of the cognitive dissociation, it's the, or the personal bias, it's the, no, no, see, it's just a theory, that means that it's not true, you know, it's, de it's just what they think is happening, it definitely isn't observable, or for evolution, you know, show me it happening, show me an animal that's jumped, uh, evo evo you know, evolved in the last year, and you're thinking, but that's not this, the way it this works. Takes well, we do have, and I mean, I could be wrong. If someone at home is listening, go ahead and fact check me. But I believe, and this is something that I had 
I, I want to say it was my high school biology teacher who talked about this. We have a species of geese that is uh, that is currently undergoing evolution, and there is a and they were evolving into a subspecies. Uh, so, and I mean, subspecies means that they were um, that they could still uh, breed within you know to from you know from one to the other. But you know, they were uh, we were seeing that happening within our lifetime that they were uh, that they were di. Uh, diverging from one from just one species into a species and a subspecies so that's you know that's the thing that we could see happening uh but you know like that takes a very very long time for them to go from one species into two completely divergent species but there's some it's like the finches you know like in is it the galapagos islands where yeah their their beaks change shape depend they were still technically finches but they were, you know the beaks change depending yeah. on the type of the insects and the terrain that they're eating from and it's i mean but, i think we have like i think people have a misunderstanding of how evolution works so what happens and i mean this is this is an interesting thing that happens over time and this again it's over a long period of time it's not that uh it's it's not that um, a group will uh, will like you know say humans are living in a part of the world that it would be very advantageous for us to suddenly grow a very very long nose no no good reason just you know a very long nose would be advantageous it's not that humans will spontaneously grow a long nose uh, it's that the people in that population with bigger with longer noses will survive um, so I mean and this is like this is just you know hypothetical. So you know the people with longer noses will breed with people with with other longer noses, and they will eventually, um, you know, have a a breed of human with. And I mean this is you know th- this is just like I said completely hypothetical. You'll eventually have a breed of human that survives with crazy long noses. Now there are a couple ways that can occur. Is one is through selective breeding. If somehow they go, wow, it would be great if we had long noses to reach into this this cave that has the honey that we need to survive. I'm turning us into bees for whatever reason. Just work with me on this hypothetical, okay? Uh, but, you know, like there, like the, there are a couple ways it could happen. One is through everyone dying out that doesn't have this long nose that can reach into this thing. Um, I don't know why I'm having us reach in with a nose instead of a finger. Just go with me on this. So one is through everyone dying out that doesn't have a thing that can reach into this. Uh, the other is through uh, selective breeding. So there are a couple ways this can uh, occur, and that happens within the animal kingdom when species evolve like that uh, is through creatures dying out that don't have the advantageous traits and the other is through just selective breeding. Um, so it's and generally when species die out it's just they don't have the traits that are advantageous and the ones that do have traits that are advantageous keep on breeding. So it's not that we spontaneously evolve those crazy traits, it's the ones that do have the uh, the traits just keep on just, you know, win in the population wars, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's... When I start having to explain what natural selection is, you know, selective advantage, why that, you know, because of the Industrial Revolution, that, you know, um, grey, dull-coloured butterflies are, you know, coming out more because the bright-coloured butterflies are getting eaten because they're easy to spot. Yeah. You know, it's... I know that's a very bad interpretation of what I was meaning but you know it's you have to explain it to such a level and I know people go on about Donald Trump and fake news and all this kind of stuff but this has gone on for years and years and years and I just don't understand why you know we can 
not see the world or try to understand it. We just want to believe a book written 2,000 years ago or what your parents have taught you when you're growing up or your belief about homosexuality or, you know, it's it's such a messed up world we're living in at the moment. Um, so how have you got, like, say, some challenges that you would give to somebody listening to become more to... scientific? You know, how to do scientific your life up? You know, let's see. Um, they're how to scientific your life up. Well, uh, number one, if you try to think of what you count on when your life absolutely depends on it, and uh, at the end of the day, uh, you, you I, I would hope you count on science because, and this is the best example I always go back to, uh, when you think about things like uh, like the anti-vaxxers, and this is my, my favorite example of this, when they try to claim that things like hygiene uh, has has gotten rid of uh, viruses and not vaccines. We don't have smallpox anywhere on the planet anymore. I mean, the dirtiest fucking village where there's no money and you don't even trust the water. Like there's it, there's 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 smallpox nowhere except for I believe like one laboratory is contained in like a couple of vials somewhere in a locked vault that like nobody has access to. You don't, it doesn't matter where you walk on this planet anymore, no smallpox. Dirtiest village where you're afraid to fucking breathe uh, or, or drink the water, no smallpox. And why? Because of science. Not because of religion, not because of hygiene practices, not because of wishful thinking. So if you want to bet your money on anything, bet it on modern medicine and the work of scientists, because it is one of very few things that has improved the lives of all of us and saved, and I mean, saved countless lives, more, more lives than you and I, you or I or anyone uh, that you, that probably, you know, uh, will, it, it is saved and enhanced the lives of all of us, all of us, the poorer people on the planet, uh, the, the people with that, that are monetarily endowed, all of us have been made better by science and not just, not just vaccines, but wait for it. I'm going to defend pesticides and the green revolution because People have been, because without them, we have famine. And right now, far away from us, in four countries in Africa, they are undergoing famine that's probably going to wipe out millions of lives. And they have, they have access to sunshine. They have access to water. They don't have access to seeds that are able to, to uh, deal without, uh, to deal with, uh, with uh, seasons that undergo uh, lower amounts of rain and they don't have access to low-till farming methods. They don't have access to the types of uh, of farming that we have in the U.S., you know, where we have these seasons of, of um, plenty where we have too much food. So while we're sitting here trying to figure out how to lose weight in America, they're starving to death in four countries in Africa. So while we're you know, complaining about how we do a detox, which is just a fancy word for drinking our, our food, um, you know, to try to lose 10 pounds because we're really, you know, rich and overfed. Uh, and these, these, you know, quote unquote detoxes, they're just a juice diet for, you know, in which we juice our, our food and throw out half the calories in the form of fiber, which is really fucking stupid. They would kill for all that fiber that we throw out from the food in these countries. And they can't get to it because they don't have modern farming techniques. So while we complain about pesticides and GMOs, they would love them. 
they would goddamn love them. So we're complaining about science and we're complaining about, you know, these newer techniques that would save lives. And I've heard people actually say, well, they're, you know, who, and this is something I've heard from people who live in very rich parts of the world and who are very insulated from anything actually going wrong saying, well, if they need GMOs and pesticides to live, maybe they should just die. I'm like, you know what, if that's what you have to say, maybe you should start with yourself. That is not a line that I ever want to hear from another rich, well-fed person living in air conditioning in Berkeley, California. My God. So if you want to bank on anything, bank on vaccines, bank on modern farming, and bank on science, because it has saved and enhanced the lives of more people than religion or or wishful thinking or thoughts and prayers ever will. Because science is saving lives, and it's it's probably saved yours. No, I 100% agree. And it's that moment that, you know, it brings us back to that thing of, it's almost like people want something to complain about. They want yep. to have something wrong with the world where there's people who would go through bins to eat things because their kids are starving. And, you know, oh we're God, complaining yeah. about something that we are controlling. Um, for example, you know, the people who go on about animal cruelty. Now, my family have had sheep for generations and we look at, you know, we grow and develop oh. lambs, sell them, the male lambs. And people say, oh, but that's cruel. But what would be cruel to would be to allow them to reach sexual maturity, and they would literally have sex with their own mothers. Oh well, my God! You know, when they come to season, and it's that kind of oh. thing of, you know, they, there wouldn't be enough grass, so they would you'd eventually ki- lose half your stock because you wouldn't have food for them if we didn't go and buy you extra stock and all that, you know, extra food and that, and it's that kind of thing of, oh, it's unnatural to control certain animals or control deer herds and stuff like that but then that brings in predators and then there's too many and then um, there's not enough prey they die out and you know it's such a a well uh, a well-established ecosystem that we don't have control on and we've messed up the world unfortunately it's it's just quite horrific when we look at our own balls up some of us are living the high life in billion mansions, billion dollar mansions, and we're, some of us are sitting scraping foods yeah. together, wondering who's going to eat. No, so I mean, it, no, I mean, it, it is. It's that thing where it's like I, I feel like there has to be some balance in these conversations because it's like I'm not, I like as I think people hear the way I talk about this and think that I'm a hundred percent a modernist and think that anything the industry does is perfect. No, there are some things that need to be cleaned up that were done by industry at the beginning of everything that, you know, still need to be cleaned up and need to be made, have amends made for, because I know that, uh, you know, farming does leave a mess on some level that, uh, that, um, what should we call it? The, um, that, that everything that pharmaceutical industries do are n- never mind not perfect can be damaging. Like there's still a mess from uh, through be- from the beginning of marketing of OxyContin in the U.S. and never mind the beginning of it uh, that's still ongoing at least with the pharmaceutical lobby. So there's you know there are problems with these that need to be regulated and need to be fixed. And I'm not sure what the answers are, but whatever the answers are, it's not what's happening right now. So like, I'm not claiming these industries are perfect. Um, or that they're perfectly regulated at the moment, but they're you know they're better than they're better than goddamn prayer, that's for sure. And so, what role then do you think the government should adopt in this? You know, how can they control, provide, assist with, you know, how they 
show science to well the population, how they produce food and stuff like that. You know, is this is the government fucking us up by the way our news and they portray these kind of findings? It's I'm not sure. It's let's see in terms of uh, in terms of food production, and this one seems to surprise people. Uh, and I mean, I I get it that uh, what happened. Like I'm not sure what the laws and regulations are in the UK. I'm or if there's how dissimilar they are from the US. Um, but I know in the US, like there are a lot of misconceptions about how. Um, how industry is involved with the government. Like, I, I think people think that Monsanto and the food lobby are very, very uh, intertwined with, uh, with the government. Monsanto doesn't even crack the top 300 for, uh, for lobbyists to the government, during, uh, never mind during election season, year-round. So they're, not, they're, they're nowhere near as intertwined with the government as people think. Um, there's... Uh, there's less like there there obviously is some lobbying but there's far less than people uh ha- are think <laughs> based on internet memes uh so there's like they don't own your congress that's not a thing uh there is like i i don't like the like how to phrase this i'm not a big fan of the food pyramid i don't like uh that there's you know government mandated uh telling people how uh they should eat i think that people like i wish that people sat down with their doctors and a registered dietitian and talked out how much they should be eating because i think that's much more personal uh than you know than than the government food pyramid makes it out to be and i'm not sure if you have like anything like my plate or a food pyramid type thing over in the uk was that is that a thing that's over there um I think we have we do use food pyramids and stuff, but it's very rare now. You know, it's yeah. you kind of have to really go away and try to find it, and it's more companies that really have these kind of things. Yeah, like there was for a while in the U.S., like the food pyramid included a thing for dairy, and that that is true that that came out of kind of lobbying. Uh, from the dairy industry and now you have a whole movement in the u.s saying how you know nobody needs dairy and it's how how it's awful for you and like i'm not like i don't think that dairy is like bad for you but i also don't think it's something that anyone 100 percent needs in their diet like dairy it's it's perfectly fine for you like if you don't have lactose intolerant if you don't have an allergy it's like any other food it's you know it has a certain number of calories you shouldn't go overboard on it uh but you know it's it's fine to include as part of your diet if it fits your dietary needs but it there there was no reason for it to be to, for it to have its own thing in the food pyramid and it's very strange that the that uh lobbying as it as it occurred uh, allowed it to be a part of the food pyramid. Like, I don't think that's a, like, but here's the thing that happened, like, I, I think almost a hundred years ago. And that's not a thing that I think would have happened now. Like, it's very, uh, I think that's kind of an antiquated part of the way that our food system uh, sprung up. And it's not a thing that would have happened at, at this point in history. So it's, it's interesting to see how all these things worked out. Well, I've just realised. I mean, I know we've kind of bounced around and stuff, but it's coming up to an hour and a half. I oh. still have page after page <laughs> oh after page God. of questions, so I definitely want to have you on again. You know, oh, yeah, I've, we can, I've become a major fan of yours just from this alone. It's, I I could I can listen to the Scottish accent all day. So <laughs> that's <laughs> so. Don't I worry. mean, we definitely want you to have on again, and this is what I wanted to show people: like the real you, not this kind of oh well. Um, you know, somebody I know disagreed, so she must be wrong, or it disagreed <laughs> with my belief. 
some you know oh, to actually see how the world is, not what we believe it to be. It's the world is a is a less scary place than some people make it out to be on the internet. That's that is my is my conclusion. I think so. It's we're so, we're we're not. How to phrase this? I I'm not as scary as some people make me out to be. I'm 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 sitting here on a on my bed in in Oakland with a, a puppy dog curled up next to me sleeping. So I'm I, I promise you I'm not all that scary. So what do you want people listening to take from this interview about you about the science? You know your size the your website about science and how they view the world. Let's see if you're. If you have a question about something, if you're not sure if the information that's being presented to you is accurate, go out and ask because the information is out there uh, for you. If some, but here's the the rub on that. Um, there's going to be a lot of information out there with a point of view, and I, I understand that I have a point of view on everything, and that's apparent. Uh, but I always try to, to hunt for something that's honest uh, and that's truthful. And, and there's uh, and, and I get it that so uh, that so is everyone else. But um, it, it's it's hard to figure out what's real out there. It's it, over time. It's exceedingly difficult to figure out who's presenting you with something that's real. Um, I encourage and I, I get it that this is hard to figure out. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm going to encourage you to fact check me and to bring resources to me that question me. Um, and especially from peer reviewed sources, I don't know how many people that disagree with me are going to tell you to do that. So please, if you have a question about what I say, bring it to me. I might not have a chance to get back to you, but I'm certainly not going to ban you for questioning me. And I think that's a good place to start. And that science, um, by its own nature, is it's willing to say, oh, okay, we were wrong. Yeah. Now we've used the evidence. This is what we now believe. Um, well, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I cannot thank you enough for doing this. I really want to have you on again, because there's literally thousands of things I want to discuss. And oh, I my God. I get a great laugh. You know, you've really blown me away by this. Um, for somebody who's become a fan of yours listening... How can they find out more about you? You know, how can they keep in touch? Your social media, your websites. It's well. Let's see. Uh, my my home is over on cybabe dot com. Uh, Facebook dot com slash cybabe is uh, is where you can find all the fun stuff. Um, and I a lot of my writing lately is over at theoutline dot com, and I have a column over at self dot com. Lots of dot coms here. Um, and of course, if you want to find my hundred forty character rantings, um, it's the same handle over at um, at Instagram and uh, Twitter. It's at the cybabe. And is there anything, you know, the floor is open to you. Is there anything that you would like to promote? Any products, any, you know, writing pieces that are about to come out? Or is anything coming up, like, you know, maybe a presentation you're doing? Oh, it's uh, right now. I am I just moved. My brain is way too fried. <laughs> so uh, that's that's about all I got at the moment. Um, I'm going to be, uh, let's see, I'm, I'm going to be appearing at, um, at PostaCon in Philly in, in October and at FreeFlow in Orlando a few days later. So, and that's all coming up, like I said, in October. So that's, that's all I got for the moment. But uh, thank you so much for having me on. This was a pleasure. It was, it was, it was fun to talk about Britishisms. So, yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to be including some of that because it was an absolute joy. (laughs) And there will be some bits I might have to take out. um, (laughs) I like, 
this has actually been one of my funnest interviews ever because we actually just broke from the usual here we go discuss this then we'll talk about this then we'll discuss you know and i tried to make these interviews fun and exciting for people and i want them to come away and go i didn't know they were like that oh yeah it's there's I think people wa- uh, walk into, like, because most of the interviews I do, they always end up involving swearing, that's for sure. Uh, but, like, I think everyone just wants to, like, a lot of times people want, want me to to, de- to just debunk things right away. I'm like, I'm not a debunking machine. I have feelings, you know. I, it's So this is this has been the first thing back to work after a weekend of moving things in 110-degree weather. So this has been an okay way to get back into the swing of things. <laughs> so it's been... well. It's it's been a it's been a strange weekend. I'll leave it at that. Well, I definitely want to have you on again because you know it's been a pleasure to speak to yourself, to speak to Joyce. Um, you know, it's been a it's an absolute joy, and I will be having you on again because I think you're going to be a big hit with the listeners. So definitely, thank you so much. Enough. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been fun. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life.